and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hey, everyone. Hey, Quinn. Hi, Jillian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, just, you know, studying for a departmental exam in economics because my school hates me. But other than that, we're thriving. How are you, Quinn? I want everyone to know that Jillian spent the whole year writing a thesis, is not hanging out with us, and then we were like, you're going to hang out with us now, right? And she was like, yeah, except for this exam I have to study for. And then we were like, okay, that makes, okay, that's for your major, but like after that, you're going to hang out with us, right? And she was like, well, actually, I'm going to take the GRE again, so actually, I'm never going to hang out with you ever again. Oh my god, stop. Those last two weeks of, before we graduate, senior week. I only have a friend for two weeks, so... I hope everyone knows that, accepts that. It's fine. She hates me. She hates everyone. Oh my god, no, I don't. Stop. (laughs) Yeah, but what have you been up to, Quinn? I am officially in job application season, so this is my personal goal, which I'll share so people can shame me into it, is to apply for 45 jobs in 45 days. So yay, that's starting yesterday until May 10th. And if I counted that wrong, I'm going to be really embarrassed since now I've said it out loud on the podcast. Why 45? Because I picked May 10th as like a day that I feel like would be good to stop. And then that was 45. And I was like, that works. It's extremely arbitrary, but I'm about it. I feel like it's nice. Um, I feel like it's a good framework for me. And then if I don't get a job out of those 45 applications, then I'll just be sad and take a two week break to graduate and then come back later and try to get a job again. <laughs> Ugh, hire us. Julian, you have a job. I, I know, but like, it sounded weird to say hire you. No, hire me <laughs> specifically. <laughs> Julian's fine. It's okay. We're thriving. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about something called the census. Um, They added a new citizenship question on the census of 2020. So, you know, the census is issued every 10 years, basically, to figure out how many people live in the United States. Um, And the citizenship question is asks specifically, like, are you a citizen of the U.S.? Um, And this question technically is a reinstatement of of the same question, but that ended in 1950, right? So... They're bringing it back, and California sued over it. Yeah, it's a bit of a complicated situation of, like, oh, have been people been asked this question? And basically, like, the last time that all American households were asked if they were citizens was 1950. And then since there's then there have been different forms of the census, and, like, some families receive this question if they receive the longer form, but it's a much smaller sample of households and stuff like that. Um So we had this, like, long-form census that was sent to certain people, and then in 1996, it was replaced with the um, American Community Survey, which was sent to 3.5 million households um, out of all of the households and included a lot of the same questions of that long-form. And so uh, this suggestion that the question was only removed recently is very misleading because um, it, it was removed in, like, 1950 for the vast majority of Americans. Just in general, thinking about the census, I have very mixed feelings about it. Go on. So my libertarian hero, Ron Swanson, (laughs) from the hit TV show Parks and Rec, um, is very against people knowing his own personal information. So he like, obviously this is not real, but um, he went back and changed all of his public records so that for his birthday, it just says springtime. (laughs) 
<laughs> doesn't give an actual date. Um, and so libertarians in general aren't a huge fan of the census because it does require all of this information. And they say, and like the government and other institutions who use this information say it won't be publicly shared, but you know, there have been breaches in the past. Um, and so the libertarian stance on it is just, okay, the census is just to count how many people are in the country. So let's just have one question where it just says, how many people are in your household and call it a day. And the counter argument to this and the like official reason why the census does ask all these questions is because basically for various research purposes and so they include questions about like income and race and the language that you speak and how long you commute to work every day and, and things like this um to build a better picture of who actually lives in communities and to determine what programs need to be built for those communities in order to best serve the people there and then on the other side of this there is of course like research academic research that tons of people including jillian yeah that's that's why i have mixed feelings about it yeah continue quinn use census data for theses and dissertations and books and like all sorts of academic studies because it is like the most complete picture of the american public that we are ever going to get Mm -hmm. especially since all this information is public since they anonymize the data um Oh, it just makes putting this stuff into like data processors is just so easy because everyone needs to use it. So it's like clean and crisp uh, and I didn't have to do any weird data transfigurations. Oh, it was so nice. So, yes, um, I'm I think it's one of those things where I'm grateful for the census because we have it. But if I had to do everything again, I don't know if I would implement it. Okay. (laughs) see, thus the mixed feelings. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I feel like I've never had strong feelings about the census because it seems like I don't think that the concept of like having a survey that counts people and counts things like income and these basic ideas that have a practical purpose, like I don't see that as harming anyone. Um and I do think it does a lot of good, perhaps and in terms of like, oh, these we need these programs to better create programs for our community. I think that's absolutely true. I think that the government is very inefficient in a lot of ways. And so maybe that's not... That was the most beautiful sentence I've ever heard. That's just true. Like, it's <laughs> bureaucracy. It, the government was designed to be inefficient, um, <laughs> which is so sad, but, like, makes sense. It's a whole thing. Anyway, but... Um, and, of course, academic research. I'm all about academic research. But then you have the problem that comes in with these kinds of questions. And the reason the citizenship question in particular is a problem even though the census is like legally secret, like you can't legally, you are not allowed to like pull out individual information from the census ever, but it will make people afraid to fill it out. Um, because I mean, especially with like this administration right now, I'm not sure I would trust the census (laughs) to, to remain legal and legally secret. Like who knows what's happening? That's the atmosphere that's in the air right now. And so I think especially with that, but also just in general, like people will be afraid to fill it out. Um, and then whole populations will be undercounted, which will be a problem for all of the reasons why we ask these kinds of questions on the census so that people can be counted in the communities in which they belong. Also, because all of this is self-reported, there's a huge incentive to just lie. <laughs> yeah, that's a big problem as well. Also, people who just lie on demographic information, why do you do this? Just don't fill it out if you don't. It, this is the thing about like surveys. People will be like, oh, I'm like trolling the researchers. You're a bad person. <laughs> Yeah, that's, don't do that. 
Yeah, if you don't want to fill out demographic information on an optional thing, just don't fill it out. Just t- don't don't be don't be like that. One time I conducted an economics survey, um, and this person in my class who like had who ended up taking the survey was like, I tried to figure out your question and then answer all the questions like all the and I put picked all the answers that would disprove your hypothesis, and I was like, you are the reason some species <laughs> opt to eat their young. And so because of this big problem. Like you said, California is suing Trump. I think multiple states are suing Trump. I think New York wants to, too. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's a bunch of them at this point. You know, the usual suspects, (laughs) California, New York, this kind of thing, are moving to sue Trump. He's being sued by like 100 people right now. I can't even keep it straight. So many organizations are... I think the ACLU has like 10 pending lawsuits against him, probably. The argument that the administration has put forward is that this is... This kind of question will help better enforce the Voting Rights Act and to quote-unquote, protect minority voting rights. So that's what they're saying is why it's being added on. Um, Obviously, this raises a lot of suspicions considering how xenophobic this administration has been. Um, But even beyond that, there is just, like, the fundamental, like, practical implications of we're going to get undercounted in the census because people are not going to be filling it out or filling it out inaccurately and all these things and so um that is like the primary thing of like okay we're gonna sue because this is bad and we need our people counted accurately um a small caveat um would be that the decision the citizenship question doesn't straight up ask if you're a legal or illegal immigrant, um, it asks whether a person is a citizen by birth or by naturalization or isn't a citizen because you can still live in the U.S. and not be a citizen. Mm-hmm. That is an important clarification. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, like, if if they tried to put a question on the census that was like, are you an illegal immigrant? Like, they, I would like to think that even they couldn't get away with that. But, um, yeah, it still raises a lot of concerns. And I think that naturally even... Um, even though it doesn't specifically ask about the legality of your status in the country, that um, it's still going to make a lot of people afraid to fill it out. Um, Yes, and just to clarify, the question would hinder the Voting Rights Act by causing a population undercount that would harm states and cities with large immigrant communities. Um, And this is because, like, state attorneys are generally pointing to the language in the Constitution um, that says that representatives shall be apportioned based on an actual enumeration conducted every 10 years, um, account that does include citizens and non-citizens. So, yeah, which would explain why California and New York, I guess, have a really big incentive to sue because uh, minority, the minority populations in both of those states is relatively high compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, so a lot of concerns all around with this and a lot of, it's very weird that the initial argument is like, oh, this will help us better enforce the Voting Rights Act. But I genuinely, I'm having, like, I, I tried to, like, present that, um, and I genuinely don't understand the argument of why that would help enforce the Voting Rights Act, especially when, like, other people are like, no, I think it would make it worse, actually. So, yeah, so people's argument that this would hinder the Voting Rights Act basically says that, like, okay, so if we incorporate this question and people actually, like, answer this question legitimately, um, then politicians know, like, the general amount of people of who live where and, like, whether or not they're legal versus illegal. Um, And so they can redraw the district lines so that, like, the proportion of whoever they want or whoever they think is most likely going to vote for them, they can just, like, you know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. mathematically rearrange that. Well, I mean, it's... 
and not necessarily like legal versus illegal, like we said, but I mean, um, like voting versus non-voting. Because right. I mean, if you're yeah. a citizen, you can't vote. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it and it's so potentially being able to draw more specific lines based not only on population but on voting population. Although I would think they would have that information just based on like actual voting records because I mean, the voting records are public and. Um, so they can not only see like who can vote, but who literally is voting and make decisions based on that as well. Yeah, because there are definitely Republicans that say that this could hurt the party at the polls. Um, and so they're going against Trump because they don't think it's, you know, useful. Because I feel like whether or not you support this is completely contingent on whether you assume that people are going to answer versus not answer these questions or the entire census, let alone just this one question. So, how much faith do you have in the American people? I'm going to plead the fifth here. (laughs) In other news, we have free-range children now, so everything's fine. Yeah, I first read this and automatically, the first thing I thought of was free-range chickens. I mean, I think that is the reference, right? Like, they're making a reference to this, like, free-range livestock thing, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but it's just like, in, it's used in a legal context. It just, oh my god, it's so weird. So there's a new law in Utah, which is, they it's called the Free Range Parenting Law, which is great. And so it basically redefines what parental neglect is, because there's this idea that basically, like, um, ne- the, the level of what constitutes neglect has gone too far, um, and basically, and and that kids are legally, in a lot of places, like, not even allowed freedom that some people think that they should be able to have. So this law means that parents will not be considered negligent if they let their child walk outside alone, play without supervision, or wait alone in the car. And so instead, these things will be considered on a case-by-case basis instead of having, like, this precedent of, like, oh, that is neglect. Um, because people think that they become too sensitive about protecting children and that these laws have gone too far. And that, you know, like, some families like may need more supervision or like some children may need more supervision but like some 12 year olds are totally fine um like taking the subway home by themselves and and stuff like this and so i don't even know if there was a subway in utah but (laughs) but like that's the kind of thing that people are talking about um and so this passed unanimously in utah it is going to be instituted which is interesting it's going in effect in may Mm mm-hmm this just reminds me of a story when this one of my like childhood friends would just threaten to call like child protection services on his mom. Um, not like like in a joking way, because like I guess she didn't like make cookies for him one day to bring to class. And he was like claiming that he was neglecting her. It was just it was like funny, um, given the context. But it just this story just reminded me of that. So I guess like what is your you know, base thoughts on this? Like, did you play a lot when you were a child alone without parental supervision? So this comes back to the fact that I lived in the woods. And so, yeah, but only ever in our yard. (laughs) So I would, I mean, I like as a kid would play outside all the time with just my siblings and whatever, but there was never anyone else around and we never went, like we didn't wander into the woods. Like we had parameters of where we were supposed to be so we couldn't get lost, which was a good idea. So I feel like I 
think that there's so much value in letting kids have space that they can go out and play by themselves and explore on their own and all of that kind of stuff. But I also had an extremely safe environment in which to do that. Um, and so I don't, I don't know, cause I haven't asked like what the rules would have been, um, if I was raised in a city or in a suburb or anywhere that humans also lived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I lived in the suburb. Um, and I think, yeah, my parents wouldn't really be comfortable letting me and my sister play outside in the front yard by ourselves. Um, but the one with like the car thing, I know a lot of parents, especially, especially in Europe where people are much more blasé about things. Um, and like they, people leave babies in the car. Um, and that seems normal. Like in the U S like you can't do that. Like you shouldn't leave a baby like in the car, like in a parking lot, just with like the windows up. But like when I was younger, my, if my dad had to like go to Seven Eleven, he would just like leave the car on and just like, let me sit there for two minutes. And like, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. I think that, like, as long as the kid is old enough to understand, like, don't let a stranger into the car, roll down the windows if you're hot. Like, as long as the kid is old enough to understand, like, basic how to take care of themselves concepts, then, like, sure, leave your kid in the car while you go grocery shopping or something like that. Don't leave babies in the car. That Things can end very badly. Do not leave your baby in the car. Yeah, please don't. But yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with this in general. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, we are babying our children too much and like, ma, millennials. <laughs> I don't know. But I think that um, these laws are often unfairly enforced. I mean, yeah, I guess context means everything in this law just makes it easier, I guess, um, for like parents not to get charged on like a on a very strict like legal logistical basis of yeah it it makes it more lenient but i think just like in in this context um it kind of just lets parents raise their kids just however and like based on the assumption that they don't think parents are trying to like (laughs) induce the kidnapping of their children but just like learning independence um there has been criticism on how children have been raised in the u.s Uh, we're very much known for helicopter parents um, which essentially means that your parents are like always on your back of whether it's homework or extracurriculars, um, especially applying to colleges, things like that. And so this is in stark contrast to like some European countries where children um, generally have a lot more independence. There's actually a book called um, Aktung Baby, which means, um, well, I, I guess in this context, Aktung, you usually say like to be careful. But anyways, um, this woman from the U.S. actually moved to Germany, um, and she ended up having, I think she brought a child to Germany, and then I think she had another one in Germany, but it it talks about how um, German parents, like, raise their children, and how they give their children a lot more freedom, Um, and this style of parenting actually only became really apparent after, ha, get it, a parent. (laughs) I'm funny. (laughs) Okay. Um, No, I'm not. Um, But anyways, yeah, so, and this, this style of parenting only became really popular after World War II, actually, because they said that, like, the um, authoritarian rule of, you know, parents kind may have influenced, like, you know, some, some radical thinkers, and that's using a very friendly term. Yup. I think it's always interesting. I feel like there's this general phenomena of... American people discovering European things and writing books about them. 
we get the like we everybody keeps discovering Scandinavian countries and being like, let's do this, and then it becomes a whole thing. And I guess we have German parenting now. And mm-hmm. yeah, I read this book though called. Um... I guess this is like slightly related how Americans have this notion that everything is done better in Europe. Um, And it was basically called like the smartest kids in the world. And it was essentially why like some like Scandinavian countries um, have higher ranked programs or generally or like higher scores for kids in like math and science and reading. Um, And it was comparing that to the averages in the United States, which are a lot lower. Um, And I actually talked to my Danish teacher about this. Um, and he said, yeah, we have, like, better education in general when it comes to, like, say, like, K through high school or whatever. Um, but the extremes are, like, a, like there's a stark contrast between the extremes, like, between, like, the extremes in the U.S. versus, like, the general average. So it's a, it's a balance of do you want, like, a lot of people who are, like, solidly mediocre or do you want, like do you want like a really diverse range because people still go to the united states because they have some of the best schools that's just interesting considering there's also very appropriate analogies to be made between like economics in the u.s versus many european countries of like vast inequalities and relatively socialist countries yeah denmark has one of the lowest levels of income inequality and they have like 60 percent taxes Yep, that's basically how that works. Yeah, apparently um, some portion of their tax goes to, like, this mountain. Um, this, like, random mountain that nobody really uses except maybe, like, 15 people, and those are the people that live there. And it's, like, this beautiful, like, road that's just, like, carved it. Like, it's basically just, like, transportation around the mountain. And this tax from everyone in Denmark goes to this one place, even though it serves, like, 15 people. <laughs> what a beautiful country. <laughs> I think some Danes are getting a little annoyed with that, though. <laughs> I'm sure. Denmark's a great place. Agreed. Yeah, I in general think, like, there are a lot of things that I support government regulation for in terms of, like, civil rights and economic regulation and all sorts of stuff. But in terms of, like, personal decisions on how to raise children and families and, like, personal autonomy decisions, I generally think that the government should stay out of it. And so I think this is a decent step. I, It will be, of course, with these kinds of things, like, maybe this will be a horrible mistake and we'll kill everyone. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it'll be fine. Um, I think for the most part, like, people are going to use the judgment that they're going to use and if something truly is egregious, then people, like, they will still be punished for it. This doesn't say you can do whatever you want to children now. It just allows more leniency in the law for situations that are appropriate on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do, though, think that this law would be a lot more problematic in, say, like, New York. Um, yeah, that's what's really interesting. This is Because I think that there are a lot of kids in New York who like, our roommates who, um, like, have been taking the subway by themselves through Manhattan since they were 12, and that's weird to me. Like, my mom would never have let me do that. Yeah, same. And you actually live there, so you know that for sure your mom did not let you do that. My mom still doesn't want me taking the subway past 8 p.m. by myself. I'm just like, mother. That's a little much. I'm 20. Don't even get me started. (laughs) Um, I have a, I had helicopter parents, not in terms of like academics or extracurriculars, just in terms of like everything else, especially when it came to safety. Um, but 
they do it because they love me and and i don't know they invested all their resources in me so like hopefully i do something with it i think is their their motto honestly there's a decent chance that i downplay a little bit like how often i'm on the subway when i'm like in new york oh definitely definitely not that i ever not that i'm ever lying about it but i like because i'm i'm not doing anything that's unsafe but i'm not just gonna be like hey mom and now i'm riding the subway back by myself at midnight like she doesn't need to know that i know i'm fine i know the area that i'm going to and i mean also we are legal adults and so <laughs> this law doesn't apply to us at all as we're talking about what our parents think of us riding the subway <laughs> Which is just really funny how we're legal adults, but my parents will always probably treat me like I'm five. I think you're at least six. I look at least 12, right? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's actually, I need to go find it, but it's basically this article that says, um, or that posits that the new age of adulthood really isn't like 21. It's really 26. Um, because like one, you can stay on your parents' healthcare until you're 26, but also just like more logistical things saying like, because the age of like the age of marriage is a lot higher than it used to be like the average age. Um, and people are going to school more and sometimes to save money, they'll like live at home more. Um, and it's just this whole concept that like the age of adulthood has actually shifted up and we're not really adults like I still feel like I'm a kid that's interesting I feel like that kind of makes sense though because we're also living a lot longer mm-hmm. like I yeah. think that the the age of adulthood has gotten pushed back because of these changes but I think that some of those changes are brought on because like our lives our lifespan is longer and so there's not the same pressure to be like employed and supporting a family at 18 like you have so much time to do that mm-hmm. yeah and, and especially with like all the opportunities we have with like education um and things like that like that really does if you like if you need to go to grad school like you need to go to grad school mm-hmm. I do think this is this interesting pressure though because like I feel like after graduation I want to be because there are still a few things like like I'm on my parents' health insurance. I mean, I don't have a job yet, as I already discussed. So clearly, I'm still on my parents' health insurance, and um, they're just like little things. Like my phone plan is on like my family phone plan, and so this is the kind of thing that, for me personally, is a goal to like be fully self sufficient as soon as possible. But that all depends on like the kind of job that I have and where I live and how much I'm able to support myself. Even though like I know I'm going to be like buying my own food and paying my own rent and stuff like there's still those all of those like peripheral things and I think those things are much slower to break down mm-hmm. yeah like I talked to my mom about this because you know I'm living in New York next year um I'm just like trying to figure out like budgeting and stuff um and I was like I was like mom like please can I please mooch off your Amazon Prime <laughs> Jillian it's like $50 a year <laughs> I I just don't want to be a burden, Gwen. (laughs) But then, technically, I've been a burden for, like, the past 21 years, so Mm -hmm. it's fine. I do pay for my own Netflix, which is my my personal independence. I actually pay for my own Amazon Prime, too. It's only $50 if you're a student, by the way. It's $100 if you are not a student. Um, Sad. Mm. Yeah. We're just going to see how long my student account works on it, though, because I'm sure as heck not going to let Amazon know before I have to. Oh, my God. I'm nervous about, like, when they find out that I can't, I'm not a student anymore and I have to pay the full $9.99 for iTunes Music instead of $4.99. That's going to be a real, ugh. Yeah, a lot of subscription services that give us 50% off that are not going to do that anymore. Of course, 
hypothetically will also have full-time jobs and can afford to pay $10 a month for all of the music that's ever been made. And also will have full-time jobs, so there's probably less leisure time. You make some good points. (laughs) Speaking of parenting, there's a very interesting story in the news right now. I saw this video without reading the caption first. I just saw it out of context. And so I was just watching it, trying to figure out what was going on, which I kind of recommend, but we're going to explain it right now anyway. So there is a gender reveal thing of including an alligator. So it's a, there's this phenomena called gender reveal parties, which is an inaccurate title because at the very most it's a sex reveal party. But anyway, And so the concept is that it started with like cakes, I think, um, and you would give the baker an envelope that had the sex of your child in it. And then before the child is born and, um, that would have your child in it, would have your child in it. No, no, no. And then the baker would bake a cake that the inside was either pink or blue, because as we know, boys wear only blue and no one else is allowed to wear it. And girls wear only pink and no one else is allowed to wear it. And obviously (laughs) I'm wearing pink and blue pants right now. Sounds very weird. I should clarify I'm in pajama pants right now as well. Uh, They look cute and fuzzy. Thank you. Anyway, and so then you throw a little party and then you cut open the cake and it's either pink or blue. And yay, now you know the sex of your baby. So that's a, we can get into that in a sec because that concept in itself is like kind of weird. But it has escalated for some reason in so many weird directions, including most recently a Louisiana couple that used an alligator for a gender reveal party. They had like a, I don't even know what it was, but it was something filled with, like, blue slime. And they got the alligator that, like, they put it in the alligator's mouth so it would bite down on it. And it just smashed it open. And then we saw blue. And everyone was like, yay, it's a boy. And I, this is a real thing. Apparently, it's, like, an alligator farm. Not, like, a, I don't know what the right word is. What is it? They have, like, 400 alligators or something? Yeah, there's, like, 400 alligators on this farm. And so they, apparently, like, he was, like, my grandfather birthed this alligator not like personally but like witness the the hatching of this alligator who's apparently alligators also live for way longer than i thought they did this alligator was born in what i think 1957 yep exactly yeah um so the 61 year old alligator was who was also partially blind um was i guess used as a vessel in this gender reveal party and PETA is not PETA is not having it right now yeah, and I mean, some of what PETA does is ridiculous. But in this case, like, even me watching this, I was like, is this good for the alligator? Because it's surrounded by people, and they force it, they're, like, messing around with it to get it to put this thing in its mouth. And I feel like this is very unsafe for everyone involved, including the alligator, who's probably really stressed out and just wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. He's probably just like, I did not sign up for this. Take me back to the swamp. Her name is Sally. Aww. It's so cute. <laughs> it's just, why? And apparently, like, alligators are meaningful to this family and stuff, which is okay, I guess. I mean, I guess if you lived with 400 alligators, they'd mean something to me, too. But I just feel like it's not the way to go. Leave them alone. They're, like, wild animals. And also just, like, the fact that they're using, I feel like they're using this partially blind one to, like, make it safer for them, you know? Because they can't, like, see them as well. So when they're, like, giving them the ball or whatever to chomp down on, it can't really see it. And there's a bunch of pictures of them and their two other children sitting on the alligator as, like, this beautiful just sex reveal picture. And I'm like, is the alligator okay? Please let her return to her home. 
Yeah, it's just, it's it's very weird. And so um, after PETA was like, yo, like, this is so messed up. <laughs> That's um, exactly what PETA's statement actually was. <laughs> yeah, the the yo with, like, the Y and, like, the seven zeros. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the family was like, no, we stuck to, you know, Louisiana regulations. Everything that we did was legal. And I'm like, just because something's legal doesn't mean it's ethical. Absolutely. I'm just concerned in general he says that so the guy's name is mike um oh mike mike Clybert, Clybert, something like that um and they said quote unquote we are a world leader in the gator industry which i wouldn't know so he could be correct and we respect animals and understand alligator because i respect animals and understand alligators because it is my livelihood and now i'm left confused what is their job do they what are they doing with the alligators that is their livelihood do they breed them is that is that a thing but I mean, you're not allowed to kill them, are you? I feel no. like you're not. So what are they? How are they making money? Do they are is like, it like selling a to zoo, thing? like selling to zoos? I'm googling alligator industry right now. Oh God. Oh no! The first article: the dark side of Florida's booming alligator industry. Wait, so what are the alligators used for? Like, I'm pretty sure they can't. Whoa. Um. Oh no, no, yeah, it's literally used to um, breed and raise alligators in order to produce alligator meat leather and other goods but is that legal in the u.s ah yes it is okay yes so they are not endangered or threatened so they're they're a healthy population so it is legal to kill alligators today i learned yep i always thought that was one of those things like elephants like people used to do it and we don't anymore i think that they were they were overhunted for a while and then they were like oh this is going to be like super regulated now so it's i guess that's why they have things like alligator farms specifically so that it's like you have a regulated number that are farmed every year and all that stuff Ugh! if you're gonna kill alligators for clothing i'd much rather you do it close to the home <laughs> it's like when you like when parents are like i'd rather much i'd rather have you drink in the house oh boy <laughs> I mean, we're two pescatarians on here, so this is the thing that I find delightful about being pescatarian, um, is that there's so much less cognitive dissonance in your life, because I can be like, that's messed up, and people aren't, can't be like, well, you eat cows, and I'm like, no, I don't. It's all bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, just in general, I always use that argument to, like, defend myself, because in my Danish class, like, everyone in my Danish class is pretty liberal, and so they always, like say that i'm like conservative and i don't care about climate change and all this stuff and i'm just and they're just like and i'm just like excuse me like my carbon footprint is much lower than yours because a i walk everywhere because i don't believe in public transportation and b i don't eat meat so you know who's who's really saving the environment here and then they're just like yeah we like just had hamburgers for lunch so we can't really say anything why is your danish class so political because literally all we talk about is da- uh, Danish politics versus U.S. politics. That's fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic. I'm just interested in alligators now, I guess. So beyond all this general concern, and I am not an alligator expert, so for all I know, it's fine. But considering that PETA also was like, this isn't fine, then I tend to side with that. But beyond that very concerning aspect of like safety and security of the people and animals involved i also just want to talk generally about gender reveal parties and this bizarre twisted thing that they have transformed into 
Yeah, see, I, like, knew vaguely about gender reveal stuff, like, people having gender reveal parties, but I didn't know, like, how spread out it was, like, in terms, like, I didn't know it was that big of a thing. I think it's one of those things that really has exploded in popularity in, like, the last 10 years, because it's very Instagrammable. And And Pinterest. I blame Pinterest for most things, actually. Okay. I'm personally offended by this. (laughs) No, no, no. They just say, like, the wedding industry has made so much more money because people, like, see, well... Maybe not the wedding industry, but people have seen all of this, like, do-it-yourself stuff on Pinterest. Um, And so they invest a lot more time in weddings. I have a very good wedding board on Pinterest. Oh my god, Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) There's good stuff on there. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, beyond dunking on Pinterest for a moment. (laughs) So, the reason this is weird... Okay, this is weird on two levels. One, there's the whole concept, just starting at the top level, because first of all, they're called gender reveal parties, which if you know anything about like social theory is just not accurate because at the very most you're revealing the sex of your baby, um, which is like the physical characteristics as best as you can figure them out from the ultrasound, right? Like the the gender is a, a socially constructed thing that is often related to, but is separate from sex. Yeah, which is why I like the one cake that's just like, we're here for the sex. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty funny cake. We've been scrolling through gender reveal cakes for a little while. Yeah, if you couldn't tell. Um, there was one that I really liked, and you, instead of like the color of the cake batter or whatever, the cake being pink or blue, um, it was just like hollow, and then all of these like pink or blue colored M&Ms came out. And I'm just like, oh my god, I love M&Ms. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so there is that part, and I think that I personally wouldn't throw a sex reveal party just because I don't, like, I think that um, it's this, it's a thing that conflates sex and gender, um, it's, it's this overemphasis on sex and gender as, like, this thing of vital importance for your child and, like, all of these things that, um, and I mean, statistically speaking, just going with, like, the numbers and the odds that are currently available to us, like, the gender of your child is most likely to match the sex of your child, but not necessarily like that's just not guaranteed. Um, and it could end up being different. And so like, I think there's this, like this weird pressure on it, but I do understand why people do it and why it can be like a nice thing. If you want to like gather your friends and make a cute cake, I guess it's like fairly harmless. If, (laughs) if, you keep to like this relatively like cute tame thing but people don't do that anymore and now we have escalated way beyond the initial problem mm-hmm. yeah like there are some cakes that are just like stick with pink and blue um but then there are some cakes that take like I, I, they try to make alliteration so if it's a guy it's like touchdown and if it's a girl it's like a tutu and i'm just like girls can be into football like i don't know it, i feel like it just um permeates or um perpetuates these gender stereotypes that we have they are so weird they're ones that are like this is a really popular model guns or glitter and i'm like that's concerning to me on so many levels Mm -hmm. and i also found out that it's illegal to uh send glitter to people but not illegal to send guns to people so think about that for a while (laughs) (laughs) quinn hitting us with the cold hard truths my favorite cake that i have seen is there's one that's just the white cake with bees on it and says what'll it be oh my god this this is another thing ruffles or rifles why 
And then think that, yeah, all of these bizarre things. Is it going to be a cupcake or a stud muffin? Excuse me? <laughs> or, but this is the one that really gets me, is one says, which side of the force is it? And then there's a picture, is it blue side or pink side with a pink lightsaber? And I'm like, okay, there's... It's, first of all, it's light side and dark side of the force. They don't call it, like, the blue force and the red force. (laughs) And even if they did, like, it still would be a red lightsaber, not a pink lightsaber. And also, you're implying that girls are all evil, which I mean, like, which I mean probably is, like, the thing that least concerns me about this whole idea. (laughs) It's, like, just, it's so inaccurate to the fandom that you are allegedly a part of if you are, like, (laughs) making this cake in the first place. And also, why? I just... Um, I just, like, really like the idea of people gathering for a party specifically for the cake. Because I feel like birthdays have just become a lot more than the cake. But this is still about the cake. Well, sometimes. This is the thing. is that We have all these weird cakes, but it has escalated so even further mm-hmm. than this. Yep. Beyond even putting aside the alligator, mm-hmm. you, there was a thing a little while back that went viral because um, they had boxes filled with colored smoke and they shot them to see, like, what color smoke came in the air so you had like this cloud of blue that emerged and everyone's like yeah it's a boy and i'm like why are you shooting your baby um yeah there was also a couple who like had this thing at an amusement park and which was this is objectively cool but um it just seems like a lot but basically they had the ferris wheel like flicker between um blue and pink which just like reminds me of that scene from um disney's sleeping beauty at the end when the fairies are changing the changing the dress color anyways that was not related to this at all um but yeah so the ferris wheel was flickering between like pink and blue like being lit up in pink or blue lights um and then it would like gradually get faster until it like stopped at like i think it was yeah it was a girl so it stopped at pink and everyone was like yay um but oh my god that's so extra yeah so my three problems with this are as follows one the conflation of sex and gender and the overemphasis overemphasis on sex and gender two the somewhat bizarre focus on gendered stereotypes in like some some mild and some incredibly extreme ways and three just how ridiculously extra it has gotten Mm -hmm. this is kind of cute luke or leia it's cuter than the lightsaber one the luke and leia is actually cute because they're actually siblings Mm -hmm. and so i can see like that i mean that's just like kind of a nice they're siblings so it makes sense Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's also just like the whole pink and blue thing is just so weird. Like I'm my if I have kids, like I'm not planning on only giving my like girl children pink clothes. Like they can wear whatever like color they want. It's fine. I'll put my boys in pink clothes. Who cares? The only thing is that like then um I feel like if you have like a like a baby boy in pink, then everyone's going to be like, "What a cute little girl." And it's like, "Well, maybe don't be so heteronormative." <laughs> um yeah and also just like i was like talking to someone once and somehow like the topic of oh what's your favorite color came up um and they were like yellow and i was like oh my god how gender neutral and they kind of just like looked at me and i was just like okay well i came out to be politically correct and i feel personally attacked (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just man everything is so weird this has given birth to a great meme though a given birth so mm, nice, and nice i'll link this bustle article with the collection of these these tweets but because it starts with someone who's just like i don't understand what straight people think babies are because it's all these cakes that are like 
tractors or tiaras touchdown or tutus and it's like i asked the two genders touchdowns and tutus but my favorite one is this tweet that says i hold a gender reveal party all my relatives wait as i pull off the cake cover the icing says gender is a spectrum it's too late i have the powerpoint up (laughs) i'm cool there were also people talking about how um, they don't really want to have a, a gender reveal party, but that they would like the idea of communicating information through cake. And I'm like, I relate to that. I just think it's, I think the cake reveal concept is fun, but like, how do, what, I want to communicate something else through cake. <laughs> I don't know. And again, I don't judge people who have like a sex reveal cake as long as they're not doing like weird perpetuating of bizarre stereotypes. Because even if I wouldn't personally do it, then, like, I understand why it happens. Anyway, if anyone is curious about more information with this, I am happy to give a a PowerPoint about the difference between gender and sex and how we think about and construct both of them. But I'm not going to get into that right now in case no everyone already knows or no one cares. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'm still... Like, Quinn is talking about all of this, and I'm still just, like, fascinated, fascinated, and I'm just, like, going through all of these Pinterest photos of these different cakes. I'm still kind of shook, though, from the Ruffles and Rifles one. I really do not like that. Yeah, that's just, that is concerning on multiple levels. It's, like, gender stereotyping, but it's also, like, conflation of boys, even, like, baby boys with something that is inherently violent. Yeah. I mean, regardless of your opinions on guns, like... They are inherently violent. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a pretty anecdotal um, statistic that, like, video games, you know, lead people to be more desensitized to violence. And so literally just, like, having this rifle on this cake is just, like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Everything is so much. People are, like, I just, people are so much. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm really extra, but, like, not about like events i don't think i mean i'm so extra in so many ways but you got to think about like what you're what you're dedicating yourself to i think you need to prioritize your extraness i do still like the what'll it be cake that's it's just cute i'm gonna maybe have one of those and then cut it open it'll just be cake colored and i'll be like it's a baby (laughs) (laughs) and that's gonna be all from us today if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at MixedFeelingsFM. You can also find us online at Relay.fm slash MixedFeelings. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me. Oh, always a pleasure. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our Mixed Feelings.